Hey, and welcome to the Rally Podcast. We're stoked that you're here. We hope that this would be a tool to help you pursue the presence of God, people, and the ways of Jesus. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this Rally Roundtable. I'm your host, Austin. He's and, lying. But here's what I want you to know. These are two of my friends. The other night, we were hanging out, and Glenn Batson over here used to be a real-life college baseball player. He's not going to tell you that. He's not going to flex about it, but it's true. He was legit, okay? And Josh Bull, he played some, like, weird Australian sports stuff. Very talented. And he is, and my dynamic in the relationship is I'm the short, unathletic, weird friend that they, I just, I ag him on and just let him, like, argue with each other. So Josh thinks that in three weeks of training that he could throw a baseball farther and harder than Glenn and that he's no faster than him. No doubt in my mind. And he's so confident in this. And oh. I, I call, I call... Play cricket, baby. Google cricket. <laughs> clearly better throws than baseball. So DM us right now and let us know who you think could throw a baseball harder. I'm just kidding. But hey, thank you everyone for joining us today. We are here with, uh, as stated before, Glenn Batson, Austin Duffy, and we are continuing and, and wrapping up our conversation about the presence of God. Uh, we are talking about how and what is the kingdom of God? How do we bring it? Um, and what does it mean for God's presence to dwell amongst mankind? So, so Duffy, give me, give me firstly, before we dive into the conversation, what's a snapshot of your life? Just, just give me a snapshot. Yes, uh, I am 26 years old. I'm married to a beautiful Polish woman named Natalia. And you have a beautiful stash? I have a decent mustache. I wish it could be more like yours when yours is in, in full bloom. Um, and I get to serve as the Anderson Fuse pastor, and I freaking love it. Yep, and, and we've seen you before, so good to see you again, mate. Boring. Thank you, thank you for Boring. having me. Boring, But hey, we're going we're gonna di- to dive into this conversation. So Duffy, straight off the bat, what is the kingdom of God? It's a loaded question, right? That's how they uh, do my interview. They start off with a, a, it's a, a you know, loaded question. It's a treasure hidden in a field. Exactly. It's, uh, you know, I, I, the first thing I think about when, when somebody says the kingdom of God, I think about Jesus coming out the gate, Matthew 5, his first sermon, and he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom mm-hmm. of heaven or the kingdom of God. And we see both those words, right? Heaven and God. And really, they're kind of meant to mean the same thing. Heaven, God, presence, kingdom. It's all around this idea of God being with us, of us being where he is and inviting him into this space. So Jesus arrives on the scene and says, this kingdom, it's at hand, and this kingdom, it's coming. And so get on board, people, because, you know, it's time. Mm-hmm. And so I think when you, when you talk about the kingdom of God or the presence of God, or I think about the message of Jesus and what was he about, what was he trying to get our hearts and our minds around, and that's kind of where I jump up. But if I was going to describe it, I would say it is the manifest presence of God among his people and it is the, the cool thing about it is it's not a it's not a finite thing. It's something that we have a measure of and that we can interact with and create um, a, a room for more in our life that we can pursue more in our life. And that ultimately there is a fullness that we'll get to step into one day. That's awesome. So that's a lot of words to say. You know, God with us, and and it's right here. It's right now. It's not there and then, but it's here and now. And it's actually both. It's awesome. Well, with with that, I would love to dive in just to, to get us get a further insight into your your life of of you grew you grew up in Anderson, I believe, um, but then then at the Both beautiful been age, a long time. I, know, I know. I was like, I think there's Georgia in there somewhere in your story. But That's true, good doctor. You're, you're born and raised pretty much in in Anderson, <laughs> go to Bulldogs for sure, Clemson Tigers. But anyway, uh, but around 19, you felt this call from God to kind of go to the nations, and so I'd love to hear. Give us some of your story. You, you've yeah. lived in. 
different countries. Sure. You met your wife overseas. I did. And, and some of those lessons that you've learned and experienced in different cultures and ultimately around this thought of like the kingdom of God. Yeah, so when I was 19, I was doing an apprenticeship at New Spring, and God spoke clearly to me um, in, in one of the classes I was taking there, and uh, he, he told me that I was meant to move to England, um, and I didn't really have uh, any connection over there. I knew about a couple of churches because uh, New Spring was in relationship with some. Anyway, I ended up at this, this incredible church, and that kind of set me on a trajectory to get to be involved in a lot of church planning. Uh, I lived in the UK um, in England specifically for two years. Uh, the first day I was there, I met my wife. Um, we've been married for four and a half years now. It's been amazing. amazing. Um, and then we, as soon as we got married, we actually moved to India and we helped plant a church in India for six months. And then um, we also helped build a church in, in Belgium was our kind of last stint internationally before coming back here um, two and a half, almost three years ago. That's awesome. Um, yeah, and, and, and you, know, you asked, you know, like one of the best parts about that, just getting to see you know the church, um, local church expressions in so many different nations, in so many different tongues, in so many different um, socio-economic political climates. You know, it's like the thing that's so cool is there's this common denominator of the kingdom of heaven and its mm. culture, and that that actually is what has to supersede and has to be kind of preeminent in all of those spaces and that that's what the church actually is. Right. And it started to show me how much I get Western culture or American culture or Southern culture kind of, I, I try to put it on top of and put that first when it comes to this whole idea of the kingdom of God and its culture. And man, the God in his kindness let me see all the different ways that I got those things mixed up. And there's this purity about the kingdom of God and it's not like the world and it doesn't submit to the, to the, the way that it's going. It's actually quite different. It's actually at going in the opposite direction, and it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I think there's something too, even for me, when when coming from Australia to the States and having having yeah, had right. the chance to go to different countries, it truly is an amazing thing when you go into different cultures and and and, and experience still the kingdom of God, and, and you see God's people at work and God's presence dwelling amongst. There's something beautiful to that. That God's kingdom is all around the world. It's not just in South Carolina. Um, it's but, crazy how many people think that's true, right? Like it's just in Western culture. And mm -hmm. it's like, no, the kingdom of God is all across the world. Mm -hmm. um, with, with that, man, like we've, we've been in this series of, of the presence of God and how to pursue the presence of God. And another loaded question for you, but Ephesians, Ephesians 2, the end of Ephesians 2, talks about how God has come to dwell amongst man. Mm -hmm. And so like unpack yeah. what does that mean oh, God coming to dwell amongst man that's awesome Ephesians 2 is my favorite chapter in the Bible no contest and that's is it what, really yeah 100% I didn't know and that right the this, I, I, yeah I can talk about that in a minute. but right there at the very end it talks about how we're being built into this holy temple right this dwelling place for God and talks about how that, that was built on the apostles and the prophets. And if you kind of like rewind back, so go and read Ephesians 2 after this and kind of take your time going through it, it, it starts, it, Ephesians 2 for me is like one of the most clear gospel presentations that it like throughout scripture. Because it talks about how, you know, basically that, that Christ, that he, what, what he's accomplished for us, even while we were still dead in our trespasses, even when we were far off, he made us alive together with Christ and seated us in heavenly places. And then it goes through this thing and it talks about our citizenship being in heaven. And it gets to this place where it's like, ah, the goal and the reason that we're here is that there's this kingdom, there's this holy temple, there's this people that we've been consecrated to be and to become with the purpose of hosting God's presence in such a way that it actually affects the earth and yeah. it actually changes things. Uh, right now, that's why the whole, the, the whole here is in heaven deal, because that's exactly it. That's, that's the whole point of 
life, right? So when you ask like, you know, what does that mean? What is that about? I like take steps back and I try to work my way to, you know, what, what is kind of Paul outlining before he gets there? And this first thing was just all around, it's all around sonship. Yeah. It's all around daughtership. Ephesians 2.10, bull reference my tattoo. Yeah, I have a throne tattooed on my arm. Looks and it's, it's, all, it's all about my seat. Because so I was, you talked about, uh, we talked about how I lived overseas. When I was a missionary in Belgium, I got to um, one of the most unhealthy places I've ever been in. I was working a night shift at McDonald's, and so was my wife at two different McDonald's, okay, in a language that I didn't speak mm -hmm. so that I could be a part of a, 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 a church that was going through a tough time and it just beat me down to a place where I was really, really unhealthy. Mm -hmm. And when I think about that time, the, the way that I functioned and operated was as a soldier, okay? Like, I'm behind enemy lines. When I would pray, it's like, God, I'm out here. I'm doing exactly what you said. It's hard. This is my cross. I'm carrying it, you know? And it's like, yeah, that, that, that's, that's okay. That's fine. But I was... In doing that, I had started to idolize the kind of the mission instead yep. of the, the person who created me that's mm -hmm. trying to actually send me. So this idea of, of seatedness was um, the, right after that in Ephesians 2, it's, it talks about how he's created these good works that we can walk in. But before you can walk, there's this seated with Christ. Yeah. I'm thinking this, the kingdom of heaven, and it's talking about how I'm united and seated with Christ. Where's Christ right now? He's seated at the right hand of the Father, yep. yet in heavenly places. And so for me, my most true spiritual reality is that I am in a position like this on Jesus's lap. So when I pray, it's not I'm a soldier behind me lies into a radio being like, God, where are you? It's like the it's like Abba's whisper. Yeah. It's like you're it's like I'm I'm in I'm in his lap. And for me, I, I kind of woke up and was like, I'm not, I'm not in that place. I'm not in that place at all. I'm actually functioning as a chicken with my head cut off, yeah. running around where there's this invitation into seatedness. And I actually, from that place, I can walk out in those things that will lead me to further revelation that end up in me being able to partner in this holy temple that God is building in the earth, that we um, get to manifest as a company of people. And that's what his presence looks like among friends and among families. Yeah. I, I want to even dive into more, more about, man, you, you've had experience of seeing God's kingdom come around the world. But, but, but what, what makes someone do that? Like what, what makes someone pack their bags, go to, go to the side of the world? And obviously there's, there's hardship lessons and things like that. But man, you and I have had so many conversations about how much that marks you and, and, and in, influence you and change you. And even in the way you're leading operating today you've taken so much from that the good and the bad but what makes you do that and, and what would sure, you do man. differently if you had your time over again yeah no I think like and it's you know it's it, it really is just a byproduct of obedience to God which comes from being able to hear his voice which comes from like pursuing relationship with him mm -hmm. so yeah I at 19, 18, I was as riddled with sin and as, as riddled with all the, the young man stuff and the, that I still have, you know, to some degree today, hopefully less. But even in that, even in that moment, like, I was hungry for God, bro. Yeah. I, wanted to, I wanted to know his will for my life. I wanted to get after it. And even when I would get knocked down, I didn't, I didn't just check out. I kept pursuing, pursuing. And then, then in the moment when he speaks, it was just responding to that. So you're asking, you know, what makes you do that? I didn't think up moving to England, okay? Like, I didn't think up marrying a Polish girl. I wish I I'd, was smart enough to th have thought of that. But it's like, that. those things for me were a byproduct of friendship with God. Mm -hmm. and, and even when I, even when you, the, the beautiful grace of the gospel is even when you're operating like the chicken with your head cut off and you're trying to earn your way to that seat instead of just sitting down in what is already yours, 
like that seat still belongs to you. And God is still kind and he's still pursuing me and he's still speaking. And so, yeah, you know, uh, I think that for, for, for one person in one season, it's going to look like something maybe could seem more epic, like moving countries. But I genuinely think that there's a way that God could speak to you about where you're supposed to go to school, what job you're supposed to have, and it's not easy to say yes to. And I think that when we actually submit ourselves to God in those moments, that's where we get to see immense fruit because that really is kind of the resurrection process that Jesus you know, demonstrates and offers up for us is, hey, if you, lay, you, you, wanna, you wanna gain life, you want to, uh, then you need to lay it down. If you want to, you know, have treasure, you need to g- give give away your stuff. If you want, you know, the good things in this world, you've got to pers- you've got to you know get low to get them. And so yeah, I think that that for me it was just God's kindness in in continuing to pursue me even when you know I was kind of all over the place and and still in so many ways am. Um, it's awesome. That I would listen and then actually obey when yeah. you actually get to the point to take that step. Of faith. Awesome. Tell me, so you hit on, back to Ephesians 2, God dwelling amongst man, that the whole point of that is that we would be built up into a holy temple, right, to bring God's kingdom across, you know, there would actually be an impact in the world, in the cities, states, world. Jesus said, and this is so, like, this is crazy. Jesus said that, hey, I'm I'm going to the Father, I'm going to send you a helper, and you're going to do greater works than me, which is crazy, because I can imagine that the disciples in that moment were like, Wait a second. What are you going on about? How, how is that possible, Jesus? We've just healed people. We've fed thousands. Like, we've done all of these things. What do you mean? So unpack a little bit, like, when Jesus said, you'll do greater works than me, co- co- connected to God dwelling amongst man. Like, what, what, where's that connection? Yeah. What did Jesus mean? I think it's so cool that, you know, that obviously the humility that exists within the Trinity, but it's like, Jesus is like our guy. Like, I'm like, you know, Jesus is the person that, Want that won me to the gospel. Jesus is the person, and he's there. And what he's saying to his deal is, "Hey, it's better that I'm gone because you're going to be sent a helper, and he's going to connect you straight to the Father. And here's what's going to happen." And so Jesus literally changes the whole world. He turns it upside down by by discipling twelve people, yeah. and really even closer three of them. And so for me, it's like if Jesus can do that with with that. Imagine what's possible when that same power is now in everyone everywhere. And I think that, you know, that's what it means when it says greater works. It's not like, it's not like, is it greater to turn water into wine or to heal a blind man right. or to, you know, it's not, we do, it's, it's not rank like that. It's over quality, I think is what he was saying. It's like, you're, uh, yeah, uh, you're not Yeah, gonna... exactly. You're about to be able to go to the ends of the earth. Yes. That's why he, the last thing he says, you know, is like baptizing people, disciples of all nations, yeah. all backgrounds, all you know, all the things that we were kind of hitting at earlier where, you know, Jesus, he's not into the idea of, of Jew and Samaritan, is he? He's like, what are you supposed to do? I'm going to, you know, Jesus is having dinner with the prostitutes. Jesus is hanging out with people that are on out. So the first thing he says, blessed are the poor in spirit for there's this kingdom of heaven. He's talking to a religious crowd about, you know, people who are poor in spirit. So this whole idea of turning it upside down, and we'll talk a minute about the people who turn upside down. For us, that is what it's all about. That's great, man. It's awesome, and I, I just, I can't help but think about young adults or people who are lent into this conversation right now, and that we've, we've already touched on so many different things, but I, I just think that there's, there's I, wanna, I wanna dive into more about cities and how can we truly bring the kingdom of God and bring yeah. heaven, and I wanna get there in a moment, but I think there's still, we need to dive a little bit more, because I think for all three of us, we would completely agree with this reality that, um, we feel totally comfortable with soldier, 
uh, but we feel it's still a growing revelation of sonship. So I just want to throw to both of you because I know both of your stories are like, is there any more encouragement around what does it mean being a son and a daughter of, of God? And, and let's, let's just go there for a moment. Yeah, great. And, and then we'll dive into some more. more. Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in first. So I, I come from a just like sports background, right? Where it's like, basically, if you don't perform, if you don't meet this standard, your butt's on the bench, you know? And so I took that soldier mindset with God that it's like, man, if I don't do these things and if I don't perform, then, then God wants me on the bench. And it was exhausting, right? And it's like Jesus, again, flips everything upside down and Jesus steps on the scene and... Um, at his baptism, and, and the father, right, the clouds part, dove descends on him, and the father says, this is my son who I love and with whom I'm well pleased. And so the new narrative is with Jesus is, I'm placing identity on you before you do any activity, before you do any kingdom work. Yep. I had it backwards. It was like I was trying to do kingdom things so that God would love me and be pleased with me. And again, Jesus just flips it all on his head, and he comes on the scene, and identity is placed on him, and then he goes and and, and That's exactly does. It, bro. And his ministry was an overflow of his sonship. I believe that. And so that was kind of where God, you know, walked me through that journey. And, and now I try to live my life as an overflow of understanding that my father loves me and, and is pleased with me. I think that that's so good, bro. You said that like so, so well and, and made it so practical. I think another really practical thing that I think uh, in my journey and that I'd encourage everyone to is a very real thing that you can do is make peace with your own father, uh, your earthly father, yeah. whatever that looks like, yeah. whether you have one or not, whether they're in your life or not. I think that there's a uh, something very powerful about when we look at our own daddy wounds. My, my dad is amazing. I'm sure he's watching this, Shane. I love you. But, you know, it's <laughs> no secret. If, you're, if, you, if you can hear the sound of my voice, you have some kind of daddy issues. Yep. You know, it's just, it is what it is. Yeah. So how are we going to act like our, you know, the, the spiritual and the physical are so connected. And so I think for me, honestly, a part of my journey continuing to relate to God as a father was I had to, I had to make peace with my earthly father in different things. And what did that look like? It looked like me having hard conversations. It looked like me talking about things I felt like I, I, I was afraid to at one point in time. And when you actually get, get freedom and, and get, like, right relationship there, then that also is going to help you um, understand what it's like to. And again, like I said, if you don't have a a, or a father that you know, um, I think that then making peace with that, get, get help, get therapy, get pastoring. I went through counseling for a lot of stuff in my life, and it's been so helpful. That's awesome, bro. So um, that's one of the things that I would say is there's there's your earthly family dynamic. That also how you treat that. Don't be surprised if you have a hard time relating to God as a father if you've just written off your earthly family yeah, and just right. don't want to deal with it. And, and two, if I can say this as well, like when we had talked about this earlier, but when you're trying to operate as a soldier, it's exhausting, you know? So exhausting. Because you're just doing things for God hoping that he's proud of you. Mm -hmm. um, and that can lead you to a, a dark place and kind of a downward spiral, yeah. right? Instead of realizing, man, everything I'm doing is just an overflow of God's Yeah, dude, I'm, I'm literally, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm a foreign missionary working this night shift to preach the pain off the wall to 10 kids every week. And, in God, and, I, and God's like, you just, you just missed the forest for the trees. Yeah. It's like, I, I, you didn't, I felt like God in his comes was like, like, son, that's not what I wanted you to Beautiful, do. Bro. Like, like, yes, I have things for you to do, but if you're making it about that, you're missing the whole yeah. point. Mm -hmm. 
And exa that's, ex that's exactly right, bro. And I think there's something too, like, I know even for me, like, same sort of, I have a similar story of at 19, I'm a part of a church plant and just like, wanna go build church, wake up early, make things happen, yeah, don't get desire. paid a cent, all these things, which is a good intention and good thing. And, and there is, there's mission. God, God has a mission for us. But I think a massive thing for me was understanding, yes, I am a son of God, which, which truly is mind blowing. I now have this great inheritance that is before for me and therefore just like you mentioned I'm also a citizen of heaven mm -hmm. so now where I go my where my feet go I'm bringing the kingdom of God with me I'm yep. ruling and reigning with Christ which is mind-blowing and it changes the whole game because I'm not trying to impress God but no I now have kingdom activity to do yeah so I, I want us to now dive into okay we understand sonship what does it now look like to be a citizen of heaven and rule and reign and turn the world upside down for Jesus come on bro um, that is something that I, like, the first thing I think about uh, with, with that, getting to have some international experience. We talked about this culture, and we talked about um, our citizenship. You know, the say first this word slowly. What? What you're, you're going to say. No, 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 I'm not getting there yet. You're not getting there yet? yet? I, okay, get, I told okay. him, like, one of these Fancy things before, word. so he's... Okay, cool. No, but we'll, we'll talk about we'll that in one second. What I'm trying to say is I, you know, I get recognized as American, like, everywhere. Like, when I lived in the UK, I'd go to the grocery store, and they'd say, you American. Like, just like that every single time. And I'm like, yes, yes, you have the same conversation. Right. Then when you're in India, you know, somebody's like, are you skrillics? <laughs> like, I don't know if we can put that in there, but it's like, they're like, they think you're a celebrity just because you're a white person in a place where there's no white people. Yeah. Um, and so you've got all this kind of like, like camp baggage that we get just because we're human, just because humans want us to, like, we, we try to just section everybody off as, you're American, you're Australian, you know, you're a baseball player, you're what, whatever. And uh, the cool thing about citizenship being in heaven is I think that, a right understanding of that is what actually allows us to carry the rest of those things with a grace and understand that they are really secondary and actually kind of silly. Mm -hmm. So for me, I'm living in India at one point and I'm talking to all of these people about marriage. And I don't know if you guys know this or not, but in India, arranged marriage is like the thing, okay? So I'm like thinking, this is not right. This is not like God. And I'm like looking at this book and I'm like, wait a second. Like, in here. All that's in here is arranged marriage. There's quite literally not an example of not arranged marriage in this book. And so I'm having to wrestle with that. I'm like, wait a second. Like, yeah, you know, what God says about marriage is actually can supersede what, what I confused was Western culture, yeah. is that marriage is supposed to be like this, and, you, and it's fine, and it's good, and it's also fine for there to be arranged marriage. It's not actually against the heart of God. God has more to say about what does it look like when you are married. Mm -hmm. more than, so do you see what I'm saying, where we can't confuse Western culture, American culture, and the culture of the kingdom? Because yeah. that's what has to come first. And I think that that is a problem in the South. I think we do zip those things together in ways that you know, Jesus didn't do, when Jesus is on earth and, and doing his thing. And so when I think about the citizenship of heaven, the, the second wave of that, Paul refers to it um, a couple times. He talks about how we are ambassadors for Christ. Ambassadors. That word is a word that they took from the Romans. So the Roman Empire is the empire of the day, and they're taking stuff over. And so say, for example, um, Glenn lived in Glenville, Okay, and then Beautiful me and, place. and then me and uh, me and we Bull, we're over here in, in Bullington. A great, and, great place. Uh, there. Josh is the king of Bullington. Okay, but we've just we've just taken over Glenville because this is what Rome was, was doing. They were, they, were, they were taking over all these territories, right? And so then what happens is he says, "Hey, you, we we own Glenville now, and all the cult, the culture in Glenville is uh, a, a bit suspect." And so what I need you to do, Austin, I need you to go and be a Bullington. 
ambassador and go and live there. And what you do is I want you to act like you're from Bullington. I want you to talk like you're from Bullington. I want you to show people what we do in Bullington. And then over time, Glenville <laughs> becomes, it's not just owned by Bullington, it becomes Bullington. Yeah. Okay, I just made silly words and silly towns to explain something. But let me show you what, what's happening here. This is exactly what we do um, with the kingdom of heaven is that first I recognize when I look at myself in the mirror, I don't, I don't see an American. Not first. I am an American and, you know, on some level a proud one, but that's not what I look at first, right? The first thing is I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God, yeah. mm -hmm. of a place that as, in, in Ephesians 2 it talks about how, you know, we're aliens, right, on this planet because we are designed for something otherworldly. But what Jesus says is that not that we just need to hold up and hold hands and sing kumbaya until we get zapped away. No, he's like, hey, it's coming. Yeah. So why don't we partner with it and get in line and with that's what's it. coming now, right? Yeah, so to be a citizen, yes, we have to recognize that that's what we are. And then the implications of that are we have this opportunity to be an ambassador. So just like how I'm an ambassador of Bullington and what I do is I go and I, I bring the culture of the place that I'm from to this new place and it transforms your culture, okay? Because then my culture becomes the, the, the one that supersedes. The same way I take the culture of the kingdom of heaven with me everywhere, right? There's this real really big revelation God showed me through an actually political term um, a couple years ago. Is this the and one I was, I was uh, talking Yeah, about? this is the one okay. that was like this. So extraterritoriality. This is a real word. Look it up. I, I did a good bit of research on it. The law, it's a law of extraterritoriality. All right, see, even I'm messing it up. I've said it a bunch. <laughs> Unpack right. it, though, because it's yeah. really good. Okay, so you guys know, has, has anybody ever been to D.C. before or maybe I have, went and seen? I have not. I want to okay. go. It's a bucket list. But I it's, not, a, it's incredible, but you, you, you basically there's, if you go, go to where the embassies are. They're basically like these big mansions, and you'll see like the flag of like Argentina or whatever. Okay, and so what's crazy, I don't know if you know this or not, but that property where that Argentinian house is that the ambassador from Argentina lives in, that is technically and legally yeah. Argentina. Yeah. Okay, Which is and wild. when he gets in his car and he's driving around, it's got the little Argentinian flags on it, that car is technically Argentina. It's not, it doesn't even apply to the laws of the land that it's in. Okay, the Argentina laws come first. It does to some degree, there's some nuance there, but, but the thing to recognize is even when the ambassador is walking on U.S. soil in his shoes, okay, or even when the Argentine ambassador is walking on U.S. soil in his shoes, he is in Argentina because he is completely and utterly under first the laws of Argentina. Yeah. Now, what does he do? Does he disrespect the laws of the U.S.? No, he plays by the rules, but he knows the whole time I'm in Argentina. Yeah. And I think that that's a really great picture for us thinking about being ambassadors of this kingdom of heaven is, hey, I'm in the U.S. right now, but also, like, what if where my shoes are is where the kingdom of heaven Come on, is? Man. Because I'm so soaked in the presence mm -hmm. that I carry it with me everywhere. And so then the culture that comes with that actually starts to supersede and take over and transform the world and the things around me. Great. So we talk about how do we actually impact our cities, go where people are, and be in the kingdom of heaven. Go where you are and be in the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. Because if we do that, it will change things. So think about yourself when you're driving in your car. You know what? Yes, I'm driving, you know, in I'm driving in Columbia, I'm driving in Florence, I'm driving in Myrtle Beach, I'm driving in Anderson, wherever you're driving. But even more true, I would go as far as to say as it's possible for you to believe and know that you are driving in the kingdom of heaven. Beautiful. Because you have been commissioned as an ambassador for Christ, and so heaven goes with you. That's awesome. You know, extraterritoriality is, is, a, is a, an easy way to think about it. Love it. And, and, and man, I just can't help but shake and uh, as, as I pray for Rally and as, as the, this journey continues is, man, 
I just see cities across the state of South Carolina and even the world being impacted by young adults who are making a decision saying, hey, I want what you've got, Jesus. I want to bring your kingdom with me where my feet go and bring in the kingdom that that this would not look like the world standards, but I'm, I'm bringing and doing something fresh and something new because God's kingdom is coming. And I just believe, man, that there's, I feel like there's, there's one last final stir of encouragement that I want to hear from both of you guys of, of how can we turn our cities upside down for Jesus in bringing his kingdom through, through young adults going for it. Glenn, hit him with it. Go first. Man, that's a I great talked question. too much last time. Um, so back to Matthew 5 when Jesus comes on the scene and he starts saying, repent for the kingdom of God is, is at hand. And he sa- starts saying all these crazy things. He's like, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who, who give, not receive, right? Like he goes, he, he basically says all these things that are completely against culture. And people are probably like, what? What is he talking about? So what I'm getting at is, my encouragement to young adults is we got to be people that go completely against culture in everything we do, right? And when I say that, there's a nuance to that because we need to respect laws and government and, and authority. But as far as we need to, we, we need to be kind to people that, that hate us. We need to love our neighbor. That's it, yeah. We need, to, we need to give to the poor. We need to do things that other people look at and are like, why are they doing that, right? And what it is, it's, it's going against culture. It's a kingdom culture. And what happens is the kingdom grows over time when we begin to do things that are completely different than, than what, you know, most people are thinking, right? And so, man, go against culture. Don't do what the world is doing. Follow the ways of Jesus, even though, they're, even though you may be thinking, man, this is weird. This doesn't make sense. Over time, the kingdom will expand more. Come on. Amen. I think for me, I just, I, I try to remember that, um, you know, God, it, John 3, 16, God loves the world. God died for the world, Okay that when we talk about the kingdom of heaven and when we look at what we believe about revelation in times, it's very clear that something's happening here. It's not way far away that we're getting to Again, it's like here and it's come, but it's coming and there's a lot more of it to come. And so I think for us to remember that God's plan is actually reconciliation, right? That's his Beautiful. heart. That's what we, we've been given a ministry. Paul calls it the ministry of reconciliation because that's the ministry that God's about. Yeah. He, he, he wants to see... Um, us and, and others reconciled to his heart and to his plan and to his kingdom. And so for us, I think, one, with, with a heart of love, knowing the way that God feels about this planet, let's take care of it. Yeah. Let's take care of our neighbors. Let's move out. I think that we can think about this kingdom of heaven presence thing as like you're meditating in a corner, like levitating and like just so in the glory. Yeah, okay, cool. But what does it look like? It looks like loving your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. Oh, it looks like giving away things that you don't want to give away. Yeah. It looks like inviting people over for dinner you don't want to have dinner with. Yep. It looks like all the things that you're thinking about right now, um, that is actually like the heart of God. That's what it means to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And that's what will change the city. Yeah. That's what will change the, the university you're at, the workplace you're in. If you show up and you go the other way, and not, not with your middle fingers in the air trying to just make people upset. That's way easy to do, yeah. and, it, and, it, and it doesn't get uh, the results you actually want. Jesus says, no, get low, serve, love, bring that presence with you. Seek me, and you'll find, ask, and the door will be open. You know, seek and you shall find, knock, and the door will be open. You ask God, do these things in prayer, pursue his heart for these things, and just go and be places, and just be like Jesus. And when you mess up, say you're sorry. 
and get good community in your life and be under authority and be in a group and do all the things, you know, to read the Bible. It's like worship, like it's all that's great stuff. But at the end of the day, if we want to change the world, if we want to turn it upside down, the most effective weapon we have is the presence of God. And that looks like the love of God. It's beautiful. It's great, man. I, I just can't help the, help the sense that, that I, want, I want you to pray, pray in a moment, uh, Duffy, just for everyone leaning in and part of this conversation. But the, the past handful of weeks, we've been having this conversation about the presence of God, and there's been so many great things that have been discussed. But I just can't, we, we, we earlier on talked about this idea of can you see it? And, and, and I just believe out of this conversation, young adults being stirred with the sense of man, I believe that we're going to see a new thing. God is, 2020 has been crazy. But God is doing something fresh. He's doing something new. And we're going to see a great outworking of God, his kingdom coming, his presence dwelling amongst mankind. But I just want to encourage young adults, man, let's, let's seek God in prayer. Let's pursue his presence. Let's be people who are different, who are countercultural, but in a way that we'll love people so well. And ultimately, we'll see our cities shaken with the presence of God. No great Instagram campaign is going to change the world. No great, let me look all cool and, and be this cool church or whatever. No, God's presence dwelling amongst mankind is going to change the game as we see Absolutely. his kingdom come. So give us any parting words, anything else you want to say, Duffy, and then I'd love for you to, you to pray for us. If you guys have any questions, hit me up. I would love to talk and, and meet you and, and really get to know these guys. They're amazing and get to know your rally house leader, get to know people. Don't, actually, you know what? I do want to say this. <laughs> I have one thing, that this because this, I've been a little bit upset about this recently. Good, go for it. Um, young, young adult person, your discipleship is your responsibility. Yes. Okay. Your community is your responsibility. If I hear one more college kid complain that, well, they didn't, no one invited me over for... Keep, we can go here. Well, I, we don't have we're time. Gonna, we're going to stop, but, but I just want to challenge you and say, don't, don't, don't let... That's the enemy, okay? trying to lie to you. You are responsible. You own it. You invite people to your house. You show up with a box of donuts and say, want to be friends, and you just don't give up, okay? There's, that, that's it. Uh, Salah. Goodbye. <laughs> have, a, have a great week. <laughs> no, pray for us. Okay. Uh, let's pray. <laughs> Father, thank you for amazing friends. Thank you for our church. Thank you for um, the gift of your son, the gift of this word, and for friendship uh, with you by way of the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, I invite you into my life, into my thoughts, into my actions, into our cities, into our groups right now, into our rooms, wherever this is being watched. Um, we want to do things by the Spirit. We want to do things with your heart. We want to partner with you in bringing your kingdom into this earth. So would you do that? Yeah. We trust you. We want your ways, not our ways. They are higher. They are better. Uh, all the glory to you and you alone. Father God, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining the Rally podcast. We hope it encouraged you. We'd love for you to be part of the Rally family. Make sure you follow us on Instagram and YouTube at New Spring Rally so you don't miss a thing.